0: Hi, this is Jan Kabili, welcoming you to The Fix, the podcast that's all about Lightroom, Photoshop, and post-processing. In this episode, I sit down with Karen Hutton, a photographer who has a huge online and offline following, and it's well-deserved. One of the things that I love about Karen's photos is that each one looks like a Karen Hutton photo. She's managed to give all of her images that certain Karen Hutton style, whether it's a colorful landscape or a more subtle black and white fine art photo. I think that one of the reasons she's able to do that is her great skill with the camera, but it also has to do with her great skill in post-processing. And she's going to talk to us about that and show us how she does it in Photoshop in this episode of The Fix. Karen Hutton, how are you? Jan Kabili, I am great. How are you doing? I'm great, too. And I'm so glad that you're joining us here today on The Fix. Thank you. I'm really excited.
1: I'm very excited about your podcast. Everybody's so lucky to have you on air going oh, over these you. things, you're the bomb.
0: <laughs> well we're really excited to have you here today too because you're gonna share us some of your secrets and Karen you've done so many really interesting things over your career. You've been a professional voiceover artist and mm-hmm. you've been a horse trainer and a figure skater and of course a photographer. So yes. for those who don't know you and I doubt there are very many, would you mind sharing with us how you became a photographer?
1: Well, I was always a photographer. That was that was the through line of everything. Um, <clears throat> it goes way back in my family, and uh, I just sort of apparently picked up that gene. And um, I had actually intended to be a professional photographer when I was in junior college, and then worked in the darkroom and loved it, but then darkroom chemicals made me sick, so I couldn't pursue it. Not the way I wanted to, and I wasn't going to do it halfway, so I had a list of other things I wanted to do of which figure skating and writing and acting and singing and voiceover were all on it. So I said, well, can't lay around here moaning because it was really disappointing. So I went ahead and started working my way through my my big life list, but I photographed the whole time.
0: Oh, good for you. And then I remember those days with the darkroom. They were pretty nasty. Mm
1: Oh, well, I you know, the weird thing is I like the smell, <laughs> but um, the massive headaches and nausea that I would get from it just ruined everything, so so thank God for digital and Photoshop and everything else to come along when it did, and uh,
0: now I'm back. Yeah, you are, and you're back in spades, aren't you?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting, because, you know, having started, uh, you know, black and white, positive and negative space, you know, telling the story with shadow and light, and it was just so, you know, pure. Uh, well, yeah, I guess pure is the, it, it, the way to say it. And then now with color, um, you have so many other options as well to be able to go back and do black and white as well. So it's <clears throat> kind of a cornucopia of options out there now. I love it.
0: It's true. It's true. So you yeah. were shooting over that whole period of time, but then social media mm-hmm. came up and that was Mm. really important for you, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that that sort of changed the game for me because I was always shooting, but you know being a professional photographer meant doing it a certain way, which I wasn't, I didn't want to do at that point, I wasn't set up to do it. So when social media happened, I began sharing photos and meeting other people and you know the timing of everything with Google Plus, I mean that's how we met um, and the and the connections that were made and the possibilities that happened and the options that opened up it was and continues to be pretty staggering, and that pretty
0: much changed the game. Well, I know on Google plus you're best known as a landscape <laughs> photographer, but that isn't mm-hmm. the only thing that you do, is it?
1: Mm-mm. no, it just it's funny because that's how it sort of happened on social media that I became known. Although <laughs> the minute you think you're known, you're going to run into people who are like, "Who are you?" <laughs> so you can never really let that go to your head. But um, but yeah, it just sort of happened because I live up in the Lake Tahoe area, and I was you know like got my first full-on DSLR and practiced here in my area, and so <clears throat> those were the photos that I was posting, um, you know, at the time, and that's how it all became. But gosh, before that. There was a lot of other stuff that I did, so I'm kind of returning to it all now, But it, so it's kind of interesting. I'm known for this, but I really do this, and who am I? It's a whole identity thing.
0: It is. I know some of your photos, you put them in the travel photography genre, some are architectural, mm-hmm. and you've been doing some black and white, too, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I've been... Um... You know, I had this mad craving for color, and I still do. My mother was a very color, you know, loved color, and we all love color. And I still love color, but um, I, I just started craving my, my blacks and my whites and my, my muted tones, and at first everybody was like, What? What are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going back to my roots. And so, you know, that's really easy to do nowadays, and it's really fun, and so it's just like a whole other I don't know, not genre, I guess, division,
0: slice of the pie that I'm enjoying a lot. Well, you know what I've noticed, though, that's very interesting about your photos, whether Mm -hmm. they are black and white or color, or whether they have a little bit of an HDR tinge or not, whether they're photos of landscapes or of objects or of um, buildings, they all look like Karen Hutton photos. (laughs) And You know, I'm looking at them and I'm trying to figure out why that is. It has something to do with style, doesn't it? Yeah, you know,
1: one of the really cool things about having done so many things is that you you get a perspective That a lot of people don't have and one of the perspectives is you show up in everything you do So in my skating I had I was recognizable not just because you know, it's visually Karen It's the way she moves. It's the way she interprets music It's the way, you know, all that stuff comes together same thing in writing you know, because I was an equestrian for 35 years, and um, the same thing in everything. So, and in acting and in voiceover as well. In fact, you know, you strive to have a signature, recognizable signature. Um, So in photography, it's just natural that it's going to come through. You cannot hide who you are, no matter what you do. You know, if I know you,
0: I know your footsteps in the hallway, Well, that may be for somebody with a really strong personality, but I think um, you also see some people struggling with their photos looking kind of generic, and they would mm -hmm. love to develop their own signature style. Do you have any advice for people about how to do that? Is it something about opening up and being able to let your inner self out, or how do you do it? Well, I mean, you know, I think so. I mean, I'm going to say
1: that because that's how I relate to it, you know, I mean, you, you line up 10 professional photographers and they're, you're going to have 10 different opinions about this sort of thing. For me, I can only speak for me. Um, yeah, you sort of, you know, know thyself. You sort of have to know who you are because who you are is all you have to bring. You know, you've got a camera, but it doesn't take pictures by itself. So you know, in your composition, in the things you want to say, in what you deem to be beautiful, and the colors that you love, and the textures that you love, and the light that you love. Um, A lot of people aren't willing to commit to what they really, really, really love. They're worried about, well, this is how so-and-so does it, and the right way to do it is, and, you know, I I saw this tutorial where somebody said, and it confuses you. And so sometimes I think it's a good idea to just throw it all
0: out the window and go, go take pictures of what you love. I know, I hear you. I think that is really important. Mm -hmm. Well, you've mentioned a lot of things that help you get the Karen Hutton style in shooting. But what about post-processing? Are there things that you do after Mm -hmm. you take the photo that make it look like (laughs) a Karen Hutton photo? You're so cute because you know darn well I do a lot of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, but most people, not everyone, I won't say most people, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't know that. And they get really upset because they see your amazing photos and other great photographers photos online and they go, "Well, wait, I just shot the same thing. Why does it look so kind of drab or dull or uh, it doesn't look like theirs? And the answer, I think, is a lot of the answer is what happens after the shoot. Mm -hmm.
1: I think composition has a lot to do with it. I mean, I think, you know, it all
0: starts there, you know,
1: composition and getting a good exposure and stuff. And composition is part of your voice, you know, how you choose how and where, you know, down low, high, or you know, whatever lens you use, all, all sets the stage for this presentation of your idea. Now, some people feel strongly that um, that photos should be natural, you know, the more journalistic, this is what it was, I don't mess with it. If you work for National Geographic, you're not even allowed to mess with your photos. So, <clears throat> you know, whether you do or you don't depends a lot on, um, you know, why you're shooting and what you're shooting for. So, there, you know, if you're a professional photographer, there's a lot of requirements. You know, if you're shooting a wedding, you can't necessarily you know, go crazy. You have to, you know, you have to present what the bride and groom have hired you for. So, for me, I don't work for anybody. I work for myself. And um, I please only myself with my photos. And so, therefore, when I take uh, the photo in the camera, that those are the bones. I need good bones. If you don't have good cheekbones, you're just never going to have good cheekbones. <laughs> and so, I have the bones in the camera, then I take it in my computer and I look at it and I say, what do you got to say for yourself, you know? I kind of work with the image and my muse to see what story we want to tell.
0: Ah, so it's about telling a story. That's really mm-hmm. important.
1: Yeah, and it can be the story of a feeling. It c- doesn't necessarily have to be a, um, a, a uh, you know, like a, what am I trying to say, like a prose story, you know? And then he walked in the room. It doesn't have to be that. It can be a feeling. But it's going to be a presentation of that feeling or a depiction of that feeling, which to me kind of all goes under the umbrella of story. Um, and so, yeah, it absolutely starts there.
0: So I don't know about you, but after I do take a photo, and then I'm maybe a week later, or two weeks later, sometimes even longer, I'm sitting in my studio, and I've got that photo in front of me. That's a second time that I get really excited about it because I feel like, I have the opportunity to craft the story even further. Does that happen Mm -hmm. to you too? Yeah it does and sometimes sometimes what happens to me is I know I've taken a decent picture but I look
1: at it and I'm like oh my god I'm bored. And so it goes back in the pile for like two years and then I pull it up two years later and go that's pretty cool and suddenly I have a feeling about
0: it. So it works both ways for me. It does. So when you are sitting there in front of the computer How do you choose what applications or plugins or programs you're going to apply to a photo to get the look that you want? Well, I um,
1: deeply admire Lightroom, but I'm a Photoshop person just because the things that I like to do, I have to do in Photoshop. It's also how I learned, much for the same reason. Um, So mostly I work in Photoshop. So then beyond that, I know some Photoshop tools, but I like using plugins. Um, I do both. I use Photoshop tools and plugins, <clears throat> and I go willy-nilly all over the place. I don't make presets because I never do the same thing twice. Um,
0: and what what, have... prog- what plugins do you use?
1: Oh gosh, I use um, MacFun, loving MacFun, Intensity, uh, Intensified Pro, and um, and Tonality Pro for black and white. I use the Nick products. I use Alien Skin. Oh, really? I use, mm-hmm, I love alien skin. For You know, each one of them, for me, has their own little you know specialty things. I use On1 software, particularly, um, <clears throat> I'm horrible with names, uh, Perfect, is it Perfect Effects? Perfect, yeah, Perfect Effects. Yeah, I use that. I love their glows. They have a lot of good glows. Um, oh, and the other one I use that not a lot of people know about is, and I'm going to go blank, Magic Bullet, Magic Bullet Looks.
0: I'm not familiar with that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um it's a, it's a, it's red giant makes it and they make you know plugins mostly for video and but they make this one that is for photography and so oftentimes I'll apply something and then either brush it back or brush it in and I work section by section and I don't ever just overlay one thing on top of a photo and leave it it's always there it is now we draw it here and paint it there and brush it out there and bring more in here and intensify that and, you know it's my sister's a painter you know she's an artist and my mother was too <clears throat> and I'm, and I don't like doing things with my hands that way and I'm not very good at it but I apply the same kind of thinking to to my processing
0: I understand. I do see post processing a lot, like painting or other artistic endeavors. Mm-hmm. It feels like that. It's not just photography, and yeah. it's really fun. I I love it. I don't know about you, but I love it, of course. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I can. I, <laughs> you would have to love it doing what you do, but yeah,
1: I love yeah. it too. It's really soothing. And then there's sometimes I'll take a photo that could go a few different directions, and I'll be in a mood, and I'll be in that, and I'll be in a mood that just needs to be, you know, felt. And then I'll process from that feeling. And sometimes I do it just for just to see what it looks like. What does this feeling look like? And I just kind of
0: process that. Well, that's so, fun too. So yeah, would you share with us some of your photos so that we can see how they look yeah. before and after you process them?
1: Yes, I would be more than happy to do that. That's and... great. So, um, this, I'm going to just start from the more, I have a a variety pack. I do some that are more realistic and then some that are not at all realistic. This is one of the more realistic ones. Um, just to show you before and after it, this is, I don't know how well it comes across in hangouts, but so this is the before there's this, can you see my pointer? Okay. Yes, I do. So there's this rock over here, got rid of, and of course, you know, cameras I shot this multiple exposure but I grabbed this one because it was kind of in the middle and the the you know the whites were not blown out and the shadows weren't crushed it looked kind of medium but it wasn't it wasn't as um, brilliant as it was to my eye you know because raw photos are meant to be you know a little bit flat so you can do stuff to them so then that's the after do you want me to mention, talk any more about it, or do you just want to see the before and after
0: on this one? However you like. M- why don't you show us a few other before and afters, and then we can come okay. back and maybe you could walk us through this one. All right, so I'm going to show you
1: this one. I Just scroll down here to do this. Uh, down on the California coast, and here we have our before.
0: Wow, and what right. a difference!
1: Yep. Now honestly, I say that's before, I use these two images. I use this one for the sky, and I use this one for the water, <clears throat> the bigger splash down here, and to make sure I didn't lose my, you know, shadow details. Um, so I did a combination of
0: those, and it ended up here. So do you normally shoot more than one exposure of the same scene so that you have the opportunity to do this? Typically I do, yeah. Not
1: always. If I'm shooting something that isn't, doesn't have a a super changeable, you know, some, like the waves, you know, are a super changeable element. And I may need, you know, this part of the wave that's crashing really high, but I like this part of the wave because it's, you know, creamier and nicer. I may combine for that reason. Or, um, like, this is a pretty contrasty situation, so I kind of needed the sky and the bottom part. But if I'm shooting after the sun goes down or before it comes up and you know, it's a lower contrast situation. Then I won't. Great answer. Mm-hmm. So What's that's another? that one, and then another. My whoops, my final one here is this one, Ooh. which started as that. Wow. Yeah. So that's fun. <laughs> this was this was like one day sitting down. I, when I shot this, I knew I wanted to do something. I had been wanting to do a kind of a magical train shot, and I thought, well, Union Pacific runs through my town, so I'm like, I guess this is the best I'm going to get. So, <laughs> so I sat down with it one day. It took me a year to figure out I, you know, what I wanted to do with it and actually get good enough to try. And I thought, well, what happens if I do this? And then what happens if I do that? And I did that all the way through it and ended up there, and I went, oh, that was kind of fun.
0: And I see from the layers in, pho- this is Photoshop we're looking at, right? Mm-hmm. I see from your layers that you used a number of different plugins. <clears throat> I sure did. And um,
1: I, yes, I did. I can run, do you want me to run through it really quick? Sure, why not? All right, so we started here. Oh, I'm sorry, we started with this one. I had two, one, because he, he turned the lights on. Oh, cool. We were sitting there taking pictures, and I'm like, okay, and then he turned the lights on. And I was like, right on! Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> and, then tr- and then, so that's where I started, um, and I used that to kind of brighten up. I, I also made it an HDR, and then I used elements of both, um, kind of combined. Let's see, and then we went to, ah, then I added some layers. I added some sparkles because I, I wanted to make this a magical train. Where do you get sparkles? Uh, brushes. Oh, very good. I have sparkle brushes. And so I just, you know, hand applied them around and about where I imagined sparkles. So you see, this is an interdimensional train. It comes in from other dimensions and drops off passengers and then takes off again. I think that so. was a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is my version of it. So um, so I wanted it to, you know, because when it drops in out of another dimension, it, you know, had little stars. Okay, I have to tell you a really funny story, though. So I posted this on, uh, I think it was Google+. And I had some really huffy, I don't even know who they were, some huffy people, look, you know, criticizing, critiquing my photo when it was right. all done. And they said, what, the comment I love the most what, well, one of them said, oh, it's just too busy. There's just too much going on, and you know, this and that. And I'm like, okay, I guess that's fair. You don't like it, whatever. I mean, it, it's fine if they don't like it. It's what they say. So, but the other guy says, he goes, it wouldn't look like that. And I was like, really? You've seen an interdimensional train drop in from another dimension? <laughs> I want to meet you. <laughs> Do you have pictures? <laughs> it was the fun- I don't know why it struck me so funny, but it did. Anyway, so then I brought in clouds. And this, these are clouds from another photograph that I shot elsewhere in the Lake Tahoe area. And I do find it, if I'm going to do something crazy like this, I do find it important to bring in clouds that were shot in the same area because the light quality is similar. And um, Tahoe Sky Say that one again. Say that again. So what- okay, so I have discovered that had I shot these clouds, say in Hawaii or the Bay Area, they wouldn't look right in a Tahoe photo. Aha. Tahoe, Tahoe colors are a little bit different, and Bay Area colors are a little different, and Hawaii colors are a little bit different. So, I mean, I could, maybe could have done it and adjusted the tones, but uh, it's just easier to shoot them in the area and then apply them. It's, it's, you know, it's not, a, it's not an insurmountable issue, but it was just something I've noticed that's kind of interesting.
0: So, do you sometimes walk around and say, there's a great looking sky, I'm going to shoot it, not because I want that photo, but because I might use those clouds in another photo?
1: I probably have 3500 cloud photos. I've done that for years. Um, and, I, and I'm starting to use them more just because it's fun. I
0: don't work for National Geographic, so I can do this stuff. Um, uh, I once heard, do you know who Jerry Ulsman is? Yes, I sure do. He was making these composites long before Photoshop. And yep. I once heard him speak, and he said a lot of what he did was walking around just taking pictures of things to use perhaps yep. later in yep. other composites. Yeah. Mm-hmm
1: yeah and i mean i don 't really think of myself as a composite artist. There are composite artists that are amazing and and i 'm not pretending that i 'm that person. I was just having fun, and I think that 's a a valuable thing you don 't have to you don 't have to be a, what fill in the blank you know a composite person or a whatever the title is
0: to be entitled to play so you should absolutely so, and and fix you know adding in a new sky is something a lot of photographers do it's fine. It's allowable, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not pretending that this is real. I'm not pretending
1: that, um, you know, it was like this, uh, when I saw it. So here I'm just, basically I use Vivesa, use Nick Vivesa to brighten the front and to make the, you know, the lights, uh, a little cheerier and brighter and start to direct the light. Because once I have the pieces in place, I start moving light so that it, begins to work the way I want it to. So with these clouds, I didn't think it would be that bright and cheery. I wanted it to kind of deepen and be a little more dramatic, and then I didn't think there was enough clouds, you know, down here along the train, because I thought, oh, well, if it just dropped in, wouldn't it kind of suck some of those clouds in with it? So I started to, um, you know, it just took me a little while play around with, oops I missed something here, there we go, to, you know, change, get the numbers so that they showed, to get, uh, to start to bring
0: the viewer in to where I wanted them to be. And I see you used uh, Define, another one of the... Nick. Oh, uh, Define, yes,
1: I didn't mention that too, because the clouds were a little bit crunchy, a little noisy, a little bit more noise up there. I don't mind some noise, I'm kind of an analog lover. I don't mind some noise, but I don't want it to be distracting. So I'll use Define because I, again, I brush it in where I want it and at the percentage that I want. Um, I'll use Midnight is another Nick product um, that I'll use and and <clears throat> uh, brush out, br- mostly brush it out, you know, where I want it to uh, be. Um, brilliance, what did I do? Oh, I just made this a little more golden. I just brushed in the brilliance. And then darken, lighten, center to brighten, to lighten up the middle here a little bit. So you can see I just go a little at a time. I wanted some more sparkles because I went, oh that wasn't enough, and then I went, oh now they need to dribble down here.
0: You know what, you're a bad girl though, you don't name your layers.
1: (laughs) No, well I don't do it with the intent that I'm going to do this. That's true. (laughs) So I did a little color fill because I wanted to make it bluer. Now here's where I started to bring in the clouds and brighten that up. So every little thing I did I would just go and work another section, um, brought in a bunch of clouds.
0: and uh, So this is great. The thing that you do that I recommend always is you do, you're doing everything on a separate layer so that you yep. can get rid of it or turn it off or change it without messing everything else up. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, this is Perfect Effects, I believe. Oh, yeah, it's one of the glows. I don't remember which glow. I didn't write it down. Because sometimes I go into this this zone, and I just, you know, three hours later, I come out of it and go, "Wow, look what just happened!" Exactly. So the thought, the thought of naming my layers when I'm in that mode is
0: pretty funny. And so, can I ask you, just, in case people don't know, when you're putting in a little Perfect Effects or a little Define or a little Vivisa, are you doing this um, in Photoshop? as plugins yes. I through the filter menu.
1: Yeah. 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 So if I wanted to do it, I'd go up here. So here's all my, all my plugins. So there you go. I don't use absolutely all of them. I don't use
0: Topaz too much. So there you go. That's what, that photo. Fantastic. You know, yeah. Karen, I have to tell you, we're almost out of time so we probably yes. don't have time to run through another photo. That's okay. But is, is there another before and after you had to show us? Oh, um, I think I showed them all to you. you can just uh, I think I showed you this one, did I not? Yes, you did. Okay,
1: just in case no, I think that was it. I think I showed you, um, oh, maybe I didn't do this one. Why, well, you're good because I believe I did not. So this was a f- finished one, and that was before. Now this is an HDR. Um, this is an HDR shot because I was shooting into the sun. I don't I, I used to do a lot of HDR because it was fun and it still is but I don't do as much of it now as I used to, but I did this one because I was shooting into the sun and I needed to get all those, uh, you know, light. I the, to get sun the, light. Yeah. the sun flares, the sun, yeah. Well, the sun flare would have shown anyway, but it would have blown everything out if I was also trying to get detail in the front of the building. But with me, um, HDR is the beginning. A lot of people do HDR and they say, okay, well, my photo's done now. And I'm like, no, for me, it's a matter of, if it's one photo or if it's an HDR photo, I start with my base image. So if it's one photo, I get the light balanced, I get it cleaned up, I get it, you know, a really good clean uh, slate to start with, and then I go from there. With HDR, same thing. I get the best balanced HDR image I can. I use Photomatix, but this is my base image, and um, and then I work it from there. And I I don't know if you can see over here in the layers, I used textures, these are textures that I made. Um in fact, I'm, they're part of a line of textures I'm gonna be offering. And um so I did different um I used exposure, I used alien skin here. I did a lot of cleanup because I got rid of you know I was gonna go with the sun flares and then I changed my mind so that the then after looks like that. And I
0: used Fantastic. three. Yeah. Now what is this about your textures before we go? You're creating a line of textures that you'll be Mm -hmm. selling at your website I assume? Yeah, they will be. Um,
1: They might even be by the time this airs. Um, But I've been using textures more and more and I'm finding them extremely interesting and useful and even really creative to make. So they're kind of textures, hues, and, um, and overlays, a kind of a combination of things. Could you um, go
0: down and show us just one of those textures that you have there?
1: Mm-hmm. Let's see. <laughs> I don't know if mm-hmm. I can pull it up the way, I didn't do it as a, uh, I didn't do it as a smart layer so I can't really pull it up. But um, I
0: think if you turn off the top layer we'll see it, the layer 10. Yeah. Except for the fact that I brushed Oh, you brushed most of it away, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wanted I wanted this one to be a little bit crunchy around, you know, textury around the edges. Not so much in the middle. Whereas earlier I used this one. You can see it's sort of blue mm-hmm. on the top and, and more golden because I wanted to make the sky less just gray and kind of nuclear looking, and I wanted it to be bluer and wanted this to be more golden. And then this I just wanted it to be you know, this this photo has so much texture in it anyway that um, I wanted it to justify itself
0: and then really draw the viewer into the into the center of it where the sun was. It works. Now, and just curious, when you say you make the textures, do you make them starting with a photograph or you make them... Um, yeah. Digital? Oh. yeah,
1: I use them... Um, I start with a photograph and then either... and then I'll often combine them and sometimes blur them to make them more of a hue rather than a texture, because some photos don't need more, more grit. Um, they may need just a, you know, like... Have you ever used mixtures on, a, on an iPhone? Yes. Oh, on a, okay, so it's sort of like starts where mixtures ends, and and so some of the hues do that, do something similar to that, and then the, um, the textures will actually add, you know, something
0: touchable to the photo. It's just fun. Oh, fantastic! Well, I can't wait to see your line of textures. Well, thank you so much for showing us that. That was fascinating, um, cool. and I, you know, I think it gives viewers a little bit of a hint into your world and what you're doing with your photos to make them look so fantastic. Not that they're not fantastic right out of the camera.
1: Well, I mean, they're like I say, that's just the beginning. It's it's. Uh... Um, I mean, and some people love the more natural look, and that is totally viable as well. The, the, The arguments rage, you know. I say, do what feels good. Do what you love. I was raised around art. I got to see, I got to study, you know, classical art, and I fell in love with Japanese wood carvings and different artists over the years, you know, classical artists and their colors and textures and lines and um, and I just, they're just yummy. And I just always wanted my photographs to be my version of that. So that's kind of my approach.
0: Got it. <laughs> well, you're doing something right, that's for sure. Well, thank um, you. So Karen, tell us something about uh, where people can go to see more of your photographs online. Yes, you can go to KarenHutton.com and that's my my world, basically, because I do my photographs.
1: So I'm voiceovers and speaking and other things and then Karen Hutton photography is um, kind of the bigger photo world. And um, either way, you can, you
0: can find me either way. Great. Well, we'll put links to both sites um, in the blog post for this episode of The Fix. And good. Karen, I want to thank you again so much for being with me today and sharing some of your work and talking with us. It's always great to talk to you. It's so
1: good to talk to you, Jan. Thank you so much for asking me. And I know your show is going to be amazing and, and hugely popular. So good luck with it. Thanks. Okay.
0: Bye. Bye. That was so much fun to talk with Karen about her approach to photography and to see how she processes some of her photos in Photoshop. I think that the mark of a true pro is someone who generously shares her tips, her techniques, and her secrets as Karen did so well here tonight. So thank you, Karen. If you like this show, I'm sure you'll like what's coming up next week, so be sure to tune in again for another episode of The Fix on the TWIP Photography Podcast Network.